0: Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we're talking about the future, what it looks like for Ring of Honor and what it looks like for WWE pay-per-views in 2022. We're also talking to world-famous DJ and wrestling superfan Valentino Khan. All this and more today on Not Sam Wrestling.
1: This is Not Sam Wrestling.
0: Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How's everybody doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to, what is this, 367? Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. hope everybody had a great Halloween. I was actually thinking, especially this season, WWE should have a much stronger representation in, like, those spirit Halloween stores. I don't know, maybe in your area they do. In my area they did not, but I don't understand why... Uh, I feel like they're missing an opportunity there. I feel like, especially now, you know, there's a few. You could throw out, I would say, Roman Reigns, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, possibly Charlotte Flair. I don't know if a Drew McIntyre costume is selling, but there are people. Throw it. I mean, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, you still got these guys. There are plenty of people there. Rey Mysterio. I mean, oh, every every Halloween Party City-type store should have Rey Mysterio masks around Halloween. Really odd that they don't, but they don't. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I always love Halloween because I always look back on all my pictures dressed up as wrestlers as kids. I did, uh, I think my first one was 1991. I did Hulk Hogan. They did The Undertaker. I did Ultimate Warrior, but I think that was a birthday party. And I did Road Warrior Animal. I think that was a birthday party. I did doink the clown, handmade by my mom from head to toe, including the jacket with the tails. Macho Man Randy Savage, bought from WWE shop or whatever you know the merch catalog. But we did, and with the sunglasses from the merch catalog as well. But we had to find a wig and a, a cowboy hat, a neon green cowboy hat to go with it, which we found. Uh, I did gold dust, handmade by my mom, head to toe. That was probably the piece de resistance. That was like, I mean, finding gold gloves, painting some white boots that we found at the thrift store gold, making the entire jumpsuit, making the entire robe. Uh, I did one year, I showed up to school dressed as mankind and then trick-or-treated as dude love. Uh, I didn't have a Cactus Jack in there, but I did at least two of the three faces of Foley. Um, And then after that, I think I was the scream guy pretty much every year. It's where it kind of slows down. But, But then as an adult, it picks right back up. I got my Cactus Jack costume in last year on the WWE Network or Peacock. You can watch it now when I did the Not Sam Wrestling Halloween special. I was Cactus Jack for that episode. So I love wrestling-themed Halloween costumes. I mean, speaking of merch, what a time to be reliving my childhood, reliving those 90s. So earlier this week, I got in the mail, uh, Chella Toys is a company that does like Hasbro style wrestling figures but mainly superstars that never would have had Hasbro figures like I had already I think I don't remember who the first one they ever did was but I think it was Nick Magnus actually Uh, but the first one that I got was Hayabusa and they did that Hasbro jumper style but I got a Hayabusa figure a few months ago and then I had also pre-ordered and it just came in last week and you guys know if you know me you know this is my speed a Bull Hasbro-style action figure. I have it now. It's smaller, but I think it's meant to be smaller because I guess, I don't know, she's smaller than, like, Ludwig Borga, right? So I'm hoping that they didn't mess up in their scale and they intended for her to be smaller, but she is quite a bit smaller. Um, but I got that in the mail. And then, just today, before I taped the podcast, I'm walking around Target, and who do I find? Colonel Mustafa, not Mustafa Ali. Colonel Mustafa. This is a guy, I mean, played by the same individual, played the character of the Iron Sheik, but never meant to be the same person. The Iron Sheik and Colonel Mustafa are two separate entities altogether. When Sergeant Slaughter started uh, sympathizing with the Iraqis during the Gulf War, it was a wild time, folks. This is 1991. He loses to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania Seven and realizes that he needs backup. See, he had General Adnan in his corner at WrestleMania 7. But going into SummerSlam 91, he needed to create the Triangle of Terror. It was Sergeant Slaughter, it was General Adnan, and it was Colonel Mustafa. And that was really Colonel Mustafa's big moment with SummerSlam 91, not the match made in heaven, but the match made in hell. Hogan and Warrior versus the Triangle of Terror, Colonel Mustafa, Sergeant Slaughter, and General Adnan. And then after that, I mean, Colonel Mustafa would continue to wrestle for a little bit, you know, in like uh, some enhancement matches here and there or whatever. I think he might have been part of one of the teams at Survivor Series 91. Um, But, you know, they had given up. Sergeant Slaughter turned babyface, and and, this is 1991 going into 1992. Iron Sheik lost the title to Hulk Hogan in 1983, was it? 1984? So... The knees were gone by the time we got to uh, Colonel Mustafa. But still, there had never been a Colonel Mustafa action figure. And the fact that Mattel is doing that kind of magic. I mean, you saw if you watched the Mattel video that came out with the reveals uh, this week. And they showed that not only are they making a big boss man figure, which they've done before. And I have the one they did before. It's always cool. It comes with the hat this time. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not going to complain about getting another big boss man but they're doing a chase version where he's dressed all in black. And you're like, what is this a corporate big boss man? No better. They're going to 95 and they're going to WCW, not the big boss man, but simply the boss looked like the big boss man. However, dressed all in black, still a cop uniform, not the big boss man, simply the boss. And the fact that there's a, any, any sort of weird WCW, 94, 95 era figure. Like, there's a Zodiac figure. Brutus Beefcake's gimmick when he showed up and joined the Dungeon of Doom, he became the Zodiac. There's a Zodiac figure that... Met- I have not found this in stores yet. But I know because I was part of the reveal for it. And I've seen people find it out there. I have to find a Zodiac figure. I saw online somebody posted like the- there was a website taking pre-orders for the Goon figure. That was back to WWE. But still, around that same era, probably 96, 95, 96, the goon, the hockey player that was so violent, he had to leave hockey and join the WWE. I mean, just just gem upon gem upon gem. So I was super excited to find to, to find Colonel Mustafa and to realize that it's 2021. And in a single week, I added my first Bull Nakano and my first Colonel Mustafa action figure to my collection. So round of applause for me. It's a good week. It's a good week. Uh, Not a good week for everybody. Not a good week for a lot of the people at Ring of Honor. We talked about this a lot on the Patreon podcast, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday this week. So if you want to get my kind of more in-depth thoughts on everything going on with Ring of Honor, get behind that paywall. Less than a dollar a week, and you can get access to the bonus show that we do over at Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling by becoming a Not Sam Shill. Which, by the way, for the Not Sam Shills listening, if you're a Hall of Famer, Check your mailbox next week. You'll have something coming. Um, but it's a real shame what's going on with Ring of Honor. They made the announcement this week. Obviously, Ring of Honor has not uh, had the easiest uh, run of luck as of late. Ring of Honor does deserve applause over the fact that not only did they stay in business throughout the pandemic, but they kept paying all their wrestlers that were under contract throughout the pandemic, created bubbles. They They, they, they spared no expense. In keeping everybody safe through the pandemic. Unfortunately, after a year of that or a year and a half of that, I guess they haven't figured out how to make post-pandemic life work. And what they announced was that by the end of the year, all of Ring of Honor's contracted talent will be released from their contracts. Everyone will be released. That final battle this December will be the last ring of honor pay-per-view on the books and that after that everybody will be released and they'll move on uh to not doing shows for at least the first quarter of 2022 and then i think they're and then they think maybe like april they'll be back to run more shows and i think the rumor is that uh wrestlemania week will be when they uh do their next set of shows and You know, I I, I think that that will probably be a TV taping with the deal with Sinclair. You know, Ring of Honor TV will continue to run, I believe. I think that they'll be doing, like, best ofs and stuff like that. And it seems like, best case scenario, they're just going to be a company that gets together every so often, does their set of TV tapings, um, and that's it. Doesn't keep their guys under contract, which is going to make it difficult unless they do, like, full story arcs over weekends. Like that's one way to do it. If you just do a weekend of shows where you do like three or four TV tapings a night, you do like two, like Impact used to do that for a period of time. They would do like six weeks of TV tapings or sometimes two months of TV tapings over the course of two or three nights. And what you could do is craft full story arcs that exist over the course of two months. And maybe put people under contract for one set of TV tapings and a pay-per-view. You know, make them commit to the pay-per-view first. That way, if they get signed by a WWE, an AEW, or a New Japan, they end up going there. But they still have to do the pay-per-view so it would at least give Ring of Honor a moment to close off whatever storyline they're doing. I mean, that's the part. I, I, I like the idea of mobility being allowed within the world of pro wrestling. I think that that generally ends up being good for the people that are really, really good. But dependable income is important. And, you know, putting on a show, a TV product is important too, and that becomes difficult. Um, I do hope, and I think over time, Ring of Honor will get the credit that it deserves. It gets some credit now. But realistically, when we look at what wrestling looks like now, I don't think that that happens without Ring of Honor. You know, the fact that that they came, they really did come from the ashes of ECW, with Gabe Sapolsky and everything, and kind of filled that void without being ECW light. They put out an entirely different product, for what they thought would be this new generation. And they were right. It was the best of the best. It was the best wrestling on the planet. It was a more athletic style. Uh, It was a more varied style. And it was a style that really was all about matches. And I think you see that far more in WWE. And I think you see that completely in AEW. And when you look at the superstars that are in both WWE and AEW, when you look at the top of the cards, you know, when you look at your Seth Rollins and your Adam Coles and your, and, and your everybody, they're either part of those, I mean, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, everybody. They're either people that came through Ring of Honor or people that were kind of part of that Ring of Honor wave that came over. So I really would like to see WWE get that Ring of Honor tape library. I think that there's a lot of WWE history within Ring of Honor's tape library. And I think that personally, if I'm sitting here watching Peacock or the WWE Network or whatever it is, like, if there's any independent organization that I'm going to watch the archive of, it's Ring of Honor. So, hopefully, that's a move that they make. We'll see. I Look, I don't think you have a, a match like Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson like you did on uh, Friday Night Rampage this week without the influence of Ring of Honor. Not to say that those guys, but, I mean, Daniel Bryan, obviously, Brian Danielson, but... Just the idea that that is what the wrestling audience wants to see. I think so many were informed at the beginning by Ring of Honor and then it continued to influence. Um, That really was a phenomenal match. It does, like, there are so many matches in AEW that I go, like, this is incredible. Everything Brian Danielson has done, you know, the Minoru Suzuki match, this match. um, There's so many instances of that, though. Even the CM Punk matches, I feel like, are all such events that I find myself going, first reaction, that was awesome. I can't believe we get to just see this on a random Friday night. Second reaction is, why not save this? And I guess the answer is because there are so many matches. I guess the answer is because, you know, it's it just, there's there's just more. However much you want, there's more. So don't worry about that. But there's so many matches that I feel like could main event a Dynamite or a pay-per-view that I go, man and, and also... Would this, I you know, I don't even want to get into that. I was going to say, would this time be better allocated on storylines? But, I mean, that's a whole different conversation of how you present a product, and I don't want to uh, act like this is a negative review of what was an, an incredible match on television. I just think, especially with the with the promo that Kingston and Danielson had leading into this match, like, I wanted to see more. With Brian talking about how Eddie Kingston just doesn't do the work. And Eddie Kingston talking about his depression and his and his his medication and stuff like that. I was like, I would rather see promos building to this match over the course of several weeks. I don't want to see this match n- yet. And who knows? Maybe they'll do a rematch or something like that. I mean, it felt like the end of this match put a bow on the whole story. But, man, I could have watched this thing build for a long time longer and have that be a big pay-per-view match. But... You know, then I also like the interaction that Punk and Kingston had. So maybe that's where they'll go eventually or maybe Punk and Kingston will happen in three days. I don't know. I thought the season premiere of Raw was really good. I thought it was a a a, a good example of a, a good, solid, strong episode of Raw. Lots of stuff happening. That's what I like. I like lots of stuff happening. I like the new direction for Damian Priest. I was enjoying myself. Speaking of stuff happening... Before we get to Valentino Khan, and I'll I'll kind of give some backstory on him. Uh, WWE did put out their pay per view calendar uh, last week, or maybe it was the week before, and we just didn't get to it. But basically, eight pay per views announced for 2022. Which you know, the question is, will they add more pay per views to this? And they very well might, but they also very well might not. You know, when you look at what 2021 looks like here at the end. Up until pre-pandemic, you know, the last time they were running Saudi shows, those shows were not part of the regular pay-per-view lineup. You would do a, you know, Thursday afternoon international show, whether it's Saudi Arabia or Australia or whatever, and then still in that same month, you would do a pay-per-view. Now, if you look at what, you know, previous crown jewels and stuff like that have been compared to this one, this show was far more programmed like a traditional WWE pay-per-view. This last show a week or two ago was far more positioned in, and and in terms of what happened on the show and the storytelling and everything, it was it was far more important to WWE storylines and and felt far more it was a WrestleMania card that felt like it was presented almost like WrestleMania, which is new for these international pay-per-views. Usually it's a WrestleMania level card that's presented almost like a televised live event. It's just a different deal. It's just like these are just matches to enjoy as opposed to big chapter markers or enders in a story. But I bring that up to say that we had Extreme Rules in September. And in terms of American pay-per-views, in terms of pay-per-views on American soil, Extreme Rules in September, Survivor Series in November, and that's it. There's no non-Crown Jewel pay-per-view in October. And what it looks like, according to this calendar, is that there's no pay-per-view in December at all. Because uh, WWE is starting a new pay-per-view, a new tradition, on January 1st, New Year's Day. That's a Saturday. They're doing day one. The day one pay-per-view from the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. um, Which... I don't know, man. It seems like it's a it's a good opportunity, right? Because it's a Saturday night, but it's New Year's Day. So I feel like Friday night, people are going to go wild to celebrate 2022 coming in. And then Saturday night is going to be a good night to sit at home and watch a pay-per-view. Now, that's a big story here, is that there are a lot of Saturday pay-per-views, which we saw at SummerSlam this year. But everybody said that the reason they did SummerSlam on a Saturday this year was because that's what the stadium wanted. Other than that, it's always been Sunday, and it's always been Sunday for years and years and years. When we look at the schedule here, we've got every pay-per-view except two is on a Saturday. I think two or, yeah, two. I love a Saturday pay-per-view. I think Saturday pay-per-views are great. I, I, I love the idea that we can then, sit with them on Sunday. I love the idea that, that, you know, we don't, those of us that work or have to go to school, we don't have to to worry about staying up late. We can have friends over. You can have a party. You could go to a bar and watch it. You could do whatever you want. So I think that a a, a Saturday pay-per-view is a more fun vibe than a Sunday pay-per-view. I love that this is happening. I feel that way about UFC and everything. So I love that pay-per-views are getting moved to Saturday for the most part. Uh, The other big thing here is a two-day WrestleMania, right? So you've got day one, Saturday, January 1st, then also in January, but it's the last Saturday in January, January 29th. So you still got four weeks leading up to it, but January 29th is this year's Royal Rumble and that's at the Dome in St. Louis. Then there's no pay-per-view on the book until WrestleMania. So that's what, and I haven't heard that many people talking about this, but that's a big deal to me. I feel like the Elimination Chamber was really built into the fabric of WrestleMania the same way Royal Rumble was. That that the Elimination Chamber was where we find out who is going to be the other challenger in the other main event of WrestleMania. And especially now that you've got a two-night WrestleMania, you would think more than ever. Now, who knows? Maybe they will do an international pay-per-view in either February or March because on this calendar, there is no February pay-per-view and there's no March pay-per-view. WrestleMania is at the beginning of April, April 2nd. So, you know, technically, I guess that could be your March show, but there's nothing in February, even though I guess Royal Rumble being at the end of January, maybe that's how they justify it. And maybe somewhere towards the end of February, beginning of March, they're going to go overseas. I really don't know. But if they go overseas, are they going to bring the whole elimination chamber overseas? I doubt it. That would be, that'd be tr- although, I mean, doing that would be a tremendous expense. But they did get that big old hell in a cell all the way to Saudi Arabia. So stranger things have happened. Um, but on this calendar, there is no elimination chamber match. Now, maybe what they do is they bring the chamber and they do it on an episode of SmackDown. Maybe that's a thought that they want to bump up the ratings on some of the TV. And so they're still going to do an Elimination Chamber match, but they'll do it on SmackDown. I mean, I feel like that would be a huge rating. If you had Elimination Chamber SmackDown, I feel like that'd be a big deal. It's probably the direction I'd go in if I wasn't going to do an Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. But Royal Rumble is the 29th. And then WrestleMania in Dallas is now two days, Saturday, April 2nd, and Sunday, April 3rd. I think tickets are going on sale for it this month, um, with, uh, which is huge. This has never been done before in WWE. Of course, like Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome. But Tokyo Dome, I think, sits like 60,000, I think. But that's been two nights for a long, long time. In Dallas, you're talking about eighty to 100,000 people. But you're talking about that now each night. If all you're doing is 80,000, let's say you're not doing 100,000, let's say you're doing 80,000, you still need to sell 160,000 tickets to this show. Now, I do think that there's a high likelihood that if you go to one night, you'll go to both nights. I'm sure there will be discounts, but also I don't think people will mind paying extra money because I think a lot of people travel to go to WrestleMania. And I think a lot of people that are traveling, if they're already going to the expense of traveling and getting a hotel room and doing all this stuff, like this is their vacation. This how some people go to Disney World. Disney World's got all kinds of stuff going on because they know that this is when people budget for, but they're not on the tightest budget in the world once they get there. Like people save their money to go on these vacations, but they will spend their money on these vacations. So I feel like a lot of the people that travel for WrestleMania will absolutely buy two tickets. I know that if I'm going to Dallas from New York, I'd rather have two WrestleMania days than one. I mean, traditionally for WrestleMania now for years, you go to WrestleMania and you get there on like a Thursday. And you just go to show after show after show. Takeovers are obvi- are not really done on pay-per-view weekends anymore. But they never had a problem doing a small arena for a takeover in a stadium for WrestleMania. Like, nobody ever minded going to multiple shows. So, you know, I mean, if if instead of going to, like, takeover and Ring of Honor on the Saturday, like the Ring of Honor matinee and takeover evening or however you're doing it, you're going to night one of WrestleMania... That's probably w- one of the ways the WWE looked at it. Like, look, a lot of the people that come to WrestleMania are going to these smaller shows. Why shouldn't they be going to our show? Let's just do another WrestleMania, and I feel like they're 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 going to do all right. You know, I think that I think that this has been in the planning stages for a long time. You know, and I've I said this before on the podcast. My own working theory, and this is just my opinion. I have no idea. I haven't asked anybody. I'd never do. But my own working theory is part of the reason why. Uh, stuff was rebudgeted especially in the talent side and so much talent was released is because I think the idea is that they want to bring big name talent in for these big shows they want to be able to have a John Cena a Brock Lesnar at some point Dwayne Johnson it's like like they want to be able to continue to do that they want that to be a staple and so maybe some of the money that they're spending on guys being there all the time they're gonna take that and they're gonna put it towards having it two, huge main events for WrestleMania because that is what you're going to need because there are going to be some people that buy night one and and not night two. So let's say you're either, I would imagine, going to have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns versus The Rock. You're going to do one of those two this year. So if you've got that on one night, you need to make the people feeling like they're just going on Saturday. You need to make those people feel like they're not getting ripped off. And that's tough to do. You know, I mean... They did it this year, but that's because this year WrestleMania was primarily, primarily full-time talent. I mean, I know Edge isn't full-time, full-time talent, but he he is, you know, more so than a lot of other people. He's at least there all year round in and out. You may also say, well, they did WrestleMania two nights this year, so it shouldn't be a problem, but this year they only did 25,000 people a night, you know, by design for due to covid protocol. So, it's going to be interesting to see. Now the other question is with eight pay-per-views. Why, right? Is this to bump up TV is the and I think and if you look down here, right, you've got two more, so let's keep going. After WrestleMania April 2nd and April 3rd, there's no pay-per-view in Oh, no, yeah, there's a May 8th pay-per-view that's to be announced that's in Providence, Rhode Island. There's a June 5th pay-per-view that's to be announced. That's in Chicago. I would imagine one of those two would be Hell in a Cell probably. And then July 2nd is Money in the Bank. Back at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. That's the stadium they ran SummerSlam for. Now, I know they ran that commercial during SummerSlam that Money in the Bank was going to be run at Allegiant Stadium, another stadium show. And for Money in the Bank that is not even traditionally one of the big five, that's a big step. That's putting a lot into So what you're going to get for Money in the Bank is you're going to have to have two huge Money in the Bank ladder matches. You're going to have to have a, an even bigger main event. And you're going to have to have big matches throughout that show to me. You, like, this has to feel like SummerSlam level. But then less than a month later, this year, SummerSlam is happening on July 30th. So that's, again, that's separated like Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. I'm I'm sorry, like day one and Royal Rumble. But this is two big shows. Money in the Bank is July 2nd. SummerSlam is July 30th, another Saturday night show. And that is at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. So the first Saturday in July, they're running a stadium with Money in the Bank in Las Vegas. And the last Saturday in July, they're running another stadium in Nashville, Tennessee for SummerSlam. That's a large undertaking. And that may be even more difficult than WrestleMania because that means between July 2nd and July 30th, you're going to have to build a show because you can't start building SummerSlam before July 2nd because you can't fill a stadium with people knowing that the next pay-per-view is going to be even bigger. From June 5th until July 2nd, everything has to be money in the bank because we're trying to get a stadium full of people. And then from July 2nd to July 30th, you've got 28 days to make everything, 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 everything be about SummerSlam because you're going to do another stadium show on another Saturday night, which is going to be great. And then after July 30th, there is nothing on this calendar until November, September and October and most of November because this is the last day in November or, or, or the last weekend in November. November 26th is a Saturday, and Survivor Series is going to be in Boston. There's I, There's got to be at least, September and October, there's got to be at least one international pay-per-view between July and November, maybe two. There's lots of rumors about a UK show coming this year. And then I would imagine after Survivor Series, they're going to go back to day one, 2023, assuming that day one is a success in 2022. So really interesting that WWE is changing the pay-per-view calendar up. They still have their big one, two, they still have their big four, which is Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. But now money in the bank is being treated. Certainly it's being treated bigger than Survivor Series. And I don't know. I don't know what the seating is like at the dome at America Center in St. Louis. I don't know if that's uh if that's as big as Nissan Stadium, I mean, as big as Allegiant Stadium, or not as big, but it would be wild if if Money in the Bank is being looked at as a bigger event than Royal Rumble these days. Um, yeah, I, I I think the only thing really missing is Elimination Chamber. Look, I like so I don't I like a pay per view that's named after a match that makes sense. Like Day One is a great name for a pay per view. You're starting the year off fresh. Love that. I've always loved the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble matches on it. It's all about the Royal Rumble and the Royal Rumble leads to WrestleMania. That's all good. I've always loved Elimination Chamber for the same reason. Uh, Money in the Bank I love because we all know it's coming once a year. Money in the Bank. I don't love Hell in a Cell. Because the Elimination Chamber exists to create a championship opportunity for WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Money in the Bank exists to crown a Money in the Bank briefcase holder. There always is one. Royal Rumble exists to crown a main event challenger for WrestleMania. Hell in a Cell just exists for the sake of Hell in a Cell. I do not think Hell in a Cell needs to be its own pay-per-view. I have never thought that Hell in a Cell needs to be its own pay-per-view. I think that Hell in a Cell matches should take... The best Hell in a Cell matches are like what Seth Rollins and Edge was. You create a story that requires a Hell in a Cell match and you do it at any of these pay per view There's no reason to not have a Hell in a Cell match at day one or WrestleMania or even Money in the Bank. I mean, if you want to fill a stadium, why not? Imagine at Money in the Bank, you've got a world title main event, you've got two Money in the Bank ladder matches and you've got a Hell in a Cell match between somebody. That's a way to fill a stadium. Do one at SummerSlam. I'm not saying do one at all these things. I'm saying do one at one of them. But I think that that's way more effective than having a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And also, don't paint the damn thing red anymore. Bring back the old one. That's the way I do it. Hey, uh, I want to get to our interview this week. Uh, Speaking of SummerSlam, SummerSlam was a huge event this year, first stadium show back in front of fans, and the announcement was made about a week before the show that as fans filed into Allegiant Stadium, that DJ Valentino Khan. Would be there spinning the ones and twos and welcoming everybody in. For those of you guys that don't know him, check him out on Instagram. Valentino Khan is not only a, a producer and has worked with some of the biggest artists in the world, but he himself is one of the biggest artists in the world. He himself he tours the country nonstop. He was just he was in town to do a gig. I mean, and he does these gigs. They go like Sam. You want to come out to see uh, Valentino after he does the podcast? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. They go, okay, cool. He'll be in Brooklyn. His set is from 1.30 to 3.30. I'm like, bro, tell Valentino he's the man. But I can't be out from 1.30 to 3.30 in the morning. I, I can't. I got kids. Like, that's crazy. But guess what? It was sold out. It was sold out anyway. He's one of the biggest names in dance music. And you know what the real great thing is? He's a massive wrestling fan. He's the real deal. I saw his uh, Instagram before SummerSlam and it was just wrestling t-shirt after wrestling t-shirt. I started doing research. He was like, he was like, he's like packing for SummerSlam. It was all wrestling t-shirts. I started doing some research and I looked at him and when he performs, he was wearing like vintage wrestling shirts. I said, I guess this guy's the real deal. Just last week, he was at SummerSlam. I mean, not SmackDown in, in Ontario, California. He was there in the front row enjoying himself. He's the real deal, man. And I'm really happy. He's one of those guys that I had on the podcast, right? And you'll hear it. And I acknowledge it at one point in this interview. I started asking him questions just to gauge what level of fan he really is. And let me tell you something. Valentino Khan will be back on the podcast to just yap about wrestling. Because he knows his shit. And he's the real deal. And I had a great conversation with him. And I want to share that with you now. Valentino Khan. World famous DJ, incredible wrestling fan, my guest today on Not Sam Wrestling,
1: the Not Sam Wrestling interview. So
0: I've been trying to make this happen for a little while. I should say we've been trying to make this happen for a little time, uh, a little while. But in the Not Sam Studio for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, DJ Extraordinaire Valentino Khan. What's going on, man? What's the haps? How are you?
1: I'm doing well, man. Just took one of those those uh, flights where you need to sleep on them. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm here. Listen to that bass. Listen to that bass in your oh, voice. That's the best part about having chronic sinus problems and, <laughs> and lack of rest is I just got that smooth jazz radio voice now.
0: Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I'm kind of jealous that like. You don't even use it. I think you got it. You don't even. You're DJ. You don't even need it.
1: I went through like a second puberty at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's working, man. The the doctor said it's really rare.
0: What second puberty? Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: I I was happy to hear. Is that
0: when you grew the handlebar mustache? Yeah, yeah. It
1: was like first it was just like the 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 chest hair, and then now it's (laughs) the the handlebar. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome, uh, man. Your
1: beard is, is, is amazing now. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that.
0: I, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have the style that yours does. I mean,
1: it's it's like the the bold John Moxley, like, I don't know if you've gotten that comparison. I have. Yeah, I've okay. gotten,
0: so like, yeah, since I've shaved my head, it's uh, a few Triple H's here and there, but I think that's yeah. more just the whole style. But it's a lot of Shawn Michaels, Bald Shawn, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bald Shawn a lot of John Moxie, especially when Mox shaved his head. Yeah. Then everybody was like, and a lot of Nick Gage. I don't know if you know Nick Gage from yeah, uh, yeah. GCW, but a lot of that too. Um, were you at all inspired? I mean, I know you're as big of a wrestling fan as you are. When we think handlebar mustache, obviously we think Hulk Hogan yours is not bleach blonde, but was that at all an inspiration for you?
1: It's funny you say that. Cause like, so, and it's funny cause it's right now it's like Halloween time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I hadn't dressed up for halloween since i was a little kid and then i did a halloween show a couple of years ago uh it was like at house of blues in orange county and naturally i was just like what's the i don't want to say easiest costume i could pull off but mm-hmm. like what what's the the natural costume i could pull off and i was like well it's already there <laughs> and so yeah i just i ordered hulk hogan merch on amazon and, and wherever wwe shop or whatever it was and then uh you would think it was easier to like dye this blonde yeah but i think i my hair is so jet black that like i i so i bought like like a blonde spray on hair dye and i was like all right this is gonna be easy but i like just so sprayed it on and it's just like it's like barely showing up so i had to do like Four or five. You know what coats. that is?
0: That's that second puberty testosterone.
1: It's the second puberty. It it limits your uh, Halloween costume <laughs> right. selection because it strengthens that yeah. base. It ends. You know what? It ended up though. Like I kind of just was like a dirty blonde Hulk Hogan. That's kind of cool. There's right? a. I'll show you after. There's a bunch of pictures and videos of me as Hulk Hogan.
0: So when did you? So you know, I mean, for those that don't know who you are, because they're wrestling fans, not you know, music fans. Uh you're a you're a extraordinarily successful DJ, but thank you. Wrestling fans might know you best as the person that was announced via the WWE's Twitter account, yeah, as the DJ for SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what made me excited is that celebrity involvement is always good. I always like celebrities getting involved in my wrestling because you know throwing it into the mainstream and slapping your name on it—it's always cool for me. But there's also this other thing where it's like where, it, for instance, if the gig is DJing in the stadium before SummerSlam and you get somebody that's up there and they're like wearing a Hulkamania t-shirt that WWE just gave them. <laughs> yeah. And like, they just know wrestling from when they were growing up. And yeah. I'm like, there's still that thing in me. That's like, no, I don't want you. Like I want bad bunny. Right. Cause I know that yeah. bad bunny loves it. And bad Bunny's going to do the work.
1: And he, he put in the work. He actually trained. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I go like, okay, who's this Valentino Khan that's DJing SummerSlam? Who is he to get this DJ? And then I start going through your Twitter, and I'm like, okay. Okay, (laughs) Valentino Khan. And then my buddy uh, Troy Kwan, another DJ, he's like, this is the guy I've been telling you about that's a big wrestling fan. I was like, no way. And then I go a little deeper into the Twitter account, and I see all the retro shirts. I see everything, and I'm like, okay,
1: this is great. He's one of us. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, and you know, to be quite honest, that was like, I didn't care. I didn't care at the end of the day. I'm going to do me. But like, yeah. that was, that was the, the, the only like, for lack of a better term, like concern that I had going into it was like, I know how wrestling fans are. And I know you are one. Cause I, I guess exactly. Yeah. So I understand like it, you get up there, the first thought that comes to everybody's head or even before you get up there when you're announced is who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and then you you gotta just embrace the moment and like really I mean that's I mean you've seen it like, I think the best example right now is Roman Reigns like mm-hmm. just pushed so hard to be like babyface like for years and now he's just oh my god he's just so money because they they finally listened to what the fans kind of wanted after but I think because they didn't listen for so many years about everybody all the like diehards being like turn him heel turn him heel now that he finally has and obviously paul Heyman helps any situation go over but um now they have it's just like it's so it's incredible so like for me it's like i'm i'm not bigger than than whatever they say out there Mm -hmm. and i just got to embrace it so i was joking with like staff i I, I even told like stephanie mcmahon after i was like man i was ready to turn heel (laughs) (laughs) if they boo me Let's go. Then let's yeah. Yeah. It's sports yeah. entertainment. And I've got to tell, I mean,
0: as somebody that's been out there and going like, well, I'm a wrestling fan, they're gonna embrace me. Yeah. And it's gotten booed out of buildings before yeah. pre-shows. It kind of feels
1: good. Like do,
0: there is a, it when you get that reaction, you're like, oh, this is what everybody talks about. Like this doesn't feel bad.
1: I had the same conversation. It was like. There was, there was a little part of me that was like, it'd be pretty sick if everybody booed me, but thankfully <laughs> they cheered you. I got cheered at the end. So yeah, that's all I wanted.
0: The only bad part would be if you're, if you're there DJ and you're doing your thing, you got your hands up and everything. And there's no reaction. Yeah. No reaction is the only bad reaction.
1: It, it I, I draw, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this more during the podcast, but there's, there's definitely parallels with crowd interaction that like I've drawn from pro wrestling. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, if, if there's no reaction, it means they don't care. Well, it's interesting too, which to is what you don't want, right? Exactly. Whether you're, a, you know, a, a musician or you're, you're out there, you know, suplexing people in the ring. Yeah,
0: and I think too that when you look, and I don't think this is that much of a stretch when you look at pro wrestling, outside of its fans, it's a fairly misunderstood art form, and I think you could say the same thing about DJing and electronic music. You know, I yeah. think that the the people who are into it are really passionately into it. And people who are not into it, they don't get it. They see a guy up there. Yeah. They're like, are those knobs even plugged in? What's he even doing? I could do that. Yeah. You know, cause they don't understand what it is that they're seeing.
1: It's it's it. Now that like, I've always thought of it. I thought about that, but like you've put it in like uh more succinct terms. Now that I'm thinking about it where it's like, it's, it's the argument of, like, oh, they're they're just they're just acting in there. Or, like, no, like, when Jeff Hardy jumps off of a ladder from 20 feet up and crashes through a table onto thin padding, like, that hurts. It when,
0: kills.
1: <laughs> when when Mick Foley gets thrown off the top of a, a Hell in a Cell and crashes through an announce I mean, ta- That was, like, before, like, you can tell the announce tables are a little more, like, especially when they do those spots. Yeah, ready like to they're, go. They're a little more ready to go now. Like, that was, yeah, nobody but, had any idea. So... With me, like a lot of people are like, oh, there's a couple of misconceptions. I think people, some people that watch a DJ set and they're like, oh, he's like making the sounds live right now. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like playing songs. And, but then some people are like, oh, that the other side of the coin is like, oh, that's super easy. And like, there is a part to it that once you understand it, it, it is easy, but it's like, it's more about like the actual, like, interaction with the crowd reading the crowd of like what they're into like that's why I, I love djing in vegas now too because like a lot of times you'll get people that like are just just like tourists to be honest like mm-hmm. even like it, like i'll do shows elsewhere and they're like they're there for me mm-hmm. um but like there's always a part where like oh i kind of maybe heard of that guy or something and then you do it and and uh like i said you're never bigger than them you got to got to read them and not interact.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, that's that's dead on. I mean, I was having a conversation with one person in particular that was talking, one of the wrestlers that was talking about wrestling during the pandemic and wrestling in front of no people. Yeah. And how difficult it was because it's it's what you just described. It's the same thing where you know, an experienced superstar Mid match is gonna be listening to the crowd and regardless of what was planned, yeah, they're gonna listen to how the crowd reacted to this and it's gonna inform where they go from there. Oh, we should do more of this, we should do less of that. When there's nobody in the audience, it's just like, man, we're gonna plan this thing out and assume that it went all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt for a lot of those those guys and girls like during that time, especially like I think Drew McIntyre, I felt really bad for because he like he has this great comeback story about himself and uh, you know, his big moment was going over, over Brock. And then uh, yeah, there's just nobody there to, to celebrate. I felt really bad when, you know, they were going to do it in Tampa. I mean, they ended up doing it next year and stuff, but um, yeah, it was. And I think at first there was a critique when they started to pump sound into the, uh, into the arena. Uh Uh, But I think they, they needed to do it. Like, because they, they, like now I compare it to like, yeah, I remember the first, the first like, SmackDowns and Raws when I was watching during the pandemic. I was like, this is, like, something I'm always going to remember. But, man, it's, like, weird to hear, like, them cutting promos to, like, a hollow. Yeah. Even when, like, they had Stone Cold come back, I think, for one of those earlier episodes. And I think that was still before they pumped sound. It was. And it was, like, oh, yeah, didn't he do some joke? But, like, he was, like, give me a hell yeah. Or, like, or like <laughs> and then, like, nobody said anything to the...
0: But it was weird watching on TV. Like, it almost didn't land because... There wasn't even a laugh. There was nothing. Yeah, there was. You're like, oh, I guess.
1: I was laughing. I guess this is funny. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, but it was. Yeah, it
0: was weird. And I mean, that's the thing about like Drew's title win is that, like, as much as arenas full of fans are so much better than the Thunderdome, we started to take the Thunderdome for granted because the Thunderdome is so much better than what it was before. Like it's night and day. When you think about like Drew, like beating Randy Orton in the Thunderdome. That's a totally different thing than Drew beating Brock Lesnar in an empty performance center. It yeah. wasn't even the Capitol Wrestling Center. It wasn't renovated. It was just the performance center yeah. with a WrestleMania sign in it. You remember WrestleMania like the joke was that you could still see the fan yeah, like yeah, in yeah. the on the ceiling <laughs> and it was like that's WrestleMania's biggest fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think um I, I want to say the first time they started pumping sound in was that Edge and Randy Orton greatest wrestling match ever
0: I think so Uh,
1: and and that was like a good barometer for like does this like work yeah that was and all- I, I think that match needed because that was such a great match and it, it needed it was like it needs to have some sort, sort of like better sound behind it
0: yeah yeah no that match like I think it's severely underrated for what it was like that's that's that match was so much more than I think people yeah. realized it was and that really was like the sound was part of it like the chance in that match were specific. Like, yeah. they, they weren't actually sitting there saying, this is the best wrestling match that's ever yeah. been. They were like, this is this is almost like the whole thing is a tribute to everything mm-hmm. that's great about wrestling. And that's yeah. why the microphone came down from the ceiling. And that's why certain chants happened I think they when had they did. Howard
1: Finkel. Uh, the voiceover, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that, yeah. It, yeah, it, it was, I think, it, yeah, like you said, it was not about, like, whether or not you thought that was the greatest match ever. It was more about to me, that the what made it special was just that they had the balls to call something the greatest match ever. Yeah. And, like, you know, we can make the, at least you're able to make the argument that, like, it was really, really great. Yeah. You know what I but mean? But
0: I do, I mean, I do remember I was making fun of it myself. I remember when they were, like, leading up to that match and, like, it was just a super awkward ending of Raw because it was, like, Edge and Randy yeah. and Charlie Caruso, I think, was the one that was in between them and she just goes, guys, this could be the greatest (laughs) wrestling match ever. And like the show ends. And I was like, what the hell was that? (laughs) What are you talking about?
1: I mean, also like to double down on that point, like the balls to do that during the pandemic when there's no fans. Yeah. So like in, they really had to plan everything out like very meticulously. Cause like, if you think about it, they're like, that could have fallen flat on its face. And then you had not even a dead crowd, but like no crowd. it, So it's just like, just like empty bumps, like very reverberated hollow mm-hmm. performance center. <laughs> Where you
0: can kind of hear like, yeah. you're listening to the commentary and you can hear it over like the mic in the yeah. TV feed, but you can also kind of hear it in the room. It's like Michael
1: Cole's <laughs> voice echoing. Like, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So have you been, uh, were you a wrestling fan from the time you are a kid or did you fall into it later?
1: Yeah, I probably got into it probably when I was like maybe 12 or 13, um. Uh, basically Attitude Era mm-hmm. You know um, I think I, I first started to watch I think the first pay-per-view I ever Watched was uh, uh, I was getting into it And then the first pay-per-view I actually watched was this, It was SummerSlam 99 Where Stone Cold got hit by the, the car
0: Survivor Series
1: No, SummerSlam
0: I think he got hit by the car at Survivor Series I think it's SummerSlam that year SummerSlam was, was the, the triple threat Oh, so it was the triple threat With Jesse Ventura as the referee Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he got hit by a car, at Survivor Series, because he was supposed to, I think, have a match with Triple H or something. I
1: thought Survivor Series was when he came. It was like after he came back, like a couple of years or a year later. Or so then they had the Rikishi angle, then <laughs> the and then and then they had the then that then, then Triple H was finally like, yeah, Austin it was me, you dumb son of a bitch. Like I <laughs> I, I ran obviously I I was the, I hate you the most here. Yeah. And then the Survivor Series was when they had that match where he lifts. Uh, hunter up with the the, the the that forklift thing and then i, I as a kid i'm like Man, did they just like make Triple H die on television? <laughs> like, I know he's not really dead, but like is his character dead? Like, right. and then he he came back on Raw the next night, no, I think. Of course and he just had like some down, bandages. <laughs> like, that car literally was like crushed to like a like a like a Panini. It
0: what? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a, like in an auto body. Like it was yeah, like, like, like that scene in National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation where the car is just crushed. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, yo, Triple H is the man. Yeah, he like, only needs a band-aid after yeah. that.
1: I think that that in a weird way, like that, put him over more as a heel. Where they're like, "Man, they didn't even give this dude time off TV. He's just like back. He just like bounced back." Yeah, yeah, because
0: that was also the era when people were like, "Oh, Triple H is pulling strings behind the scenes yeah, and blah yeah. blah blah." And so, yeah, I think it did make him more of a heel. That's so funny though. I love, I love that that is like the first big storyline that you remember. Yeah, because in my life, I try to reference, "I did it." for the rock as often as humanly possible (laughs) (laughs) i did it for the rock because i mean i remember as a kid like watching that and rikishi says not only is it rikishi who ran him over but he did it for the rock and i'm like sitting there going what (laughs) rikishi
1: i i wonder if uh, this is me thinking out loud i wonder if uh triple h being the culprit um like was part of the plan all along or they or they realize that like Nah, to make this really like make sense, it needs to like be like yeah, Triple H hired Rikishi.
0: I think my theory. I would love to talk to somebody like Back. I would love to yeah. like, like I would love to like score an interview with Vince and like the first question is like, let's talk about Rikishi. <laughs> like but <laughs> that'd but, be the first question. Yeah, you know, first question oh, right okay. off. Like did he really do it for The Rock? <laughs> but I would like yeah, I think so here's how I think it went down. I think they were like let's we want to First of all, they ran Stone Cold over.
1: And they're like, we yeah. don't know who the
0: hell ran him over. We'll figure it out when he gets back.
1: Yeah, because he had that neck surgery. Right,
0: yeah. right. So we'll figure that out later. And then he's like, okay, I'm ready to come back. And they were like, oh shit, we didn't figure out who ran him over.
1: And so then they go <laughs> like, they
0: go like, okay, we want to make a heel.
1: Yeah, because they had like a whole year, so you're just like, oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably hard to plan that far in advance because you don't even know who's like who's As- active at that time. You especially
0: know? dude, the Attitude Era. Like yeah. the, the how fast everything was yeah. moving back then. Yeah. So I don't think that they knew. Yeah. And then. And then I think that they're like, let's make Rikishi a monster heel. Like, this is going to work. We're going to turn him into a heel. Because clearly that's what they wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think they did that. And then I think that they realized, nobody's buying this. And then they decided, let's retcon this. Let's say it was Triple H all along. But
1: I don't think Triple H was the... I think... I, Triple H was, like, probably the backup plan. Like no He might have been what, the first plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, the, yeah, just, like he's the plan they know would work no matter what. right? And I think maybe they were like, you know what, we can take a chance with, with this Rikishi angle. And then if this doesn't work out. We'd just say it was Triple H. Triple H, yeah, tri- <laughs> Triple H, yeah. Whatever, yeah. we'd just say it was Triple yeah. H.
0: Yeah, so uh, did you, at any point, like, did you wanna be a wrestler or get involved in wrestling? Or was it just like, yo, this is, this is my thing?
1: I think I always had an itch to like get involved in wrestling. I don't know if I ever wanted to be a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Cause I also like, I understood the how taxing it is on people's bodies to do that Mm -hmm. that being said i I would like we would make like home videos when i was a kid of just like making taking bumps through like balsa wood (laughs) just making making our own tables and and shit like that were you a backyarder no i wasn't that crazy um i i i I wasn't trying to like break my neck or anything like that but like yeah i I mean i remember one time I, i built this like this like little bump i was supposed to take like doing a flip off the couch and uh, so like, it was like a bunch of cardboard and we had put like pillows on underneath it. Cause it was just like hardwood floor underneath that. And then whatever I did, I did a flip off the couch. Like somebody threw me off the couch and i I totally missed like the spot where I was supposed to land. And I just, I just went on like hardwood, but thankfully I watched tough enough. And I remember Taz being like, if I ever slip in the supermarket, I know how to break my fall and I know how to like <laughs> just tuck your neck in and. Wow. I'm not. I'm not saying I, I know. you look. Properly. You watch Tough Enough. Yeah. So I was like, I landed. Taz, let you know. Taz, the Taz. human suplex machine. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Beat me if you can. Survive yeah. if I let you. And then I, I, I just, I hit the ground. I was like, at uh, first I was like, oh shit. You I, I think I overshot back. it. And I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great i love that you were like luckily yeah i've seen tough <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's uh if i ever met taz uh, me taz I'll, I'll tell him that thank <laughs> you for saving my yeah, back i would have I saved my life yeah <laughs> no problem kid yeah. shout out mtv
0: um so did you ever get into did you get into ecw like once you got into that attitude era did you start to fall into everything else or were you just a wwe guy
1: i i was really always like wwf wwe guy mm-hmm. um uh I I I would like stay up on like the ECW wrestlers at the time. Like I, you know, I was up on like RVD and Sabu and like sure. Sandman and all those guys at the time. Um, I wouldn't really watch it on television at the time because like I still also like you know as a kid. I had like homework and shit. You know, <laughs> yeah. But um, you
0: couldn't be up at like Saturday at two o'clock in the morning no, trying to I find mean, ECW. I mean,
1: raw as it is would would run until like uh, like eleven p.m. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Where were you? Where you? Where were you raised? Where you LA. from? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you didn't even there wasn't even a West Coast feed that would go on at like 5. They had it on regular
1: Well, I think like it, you could see the live feed if you had a satellite. Mm. But then if you had normal cable, you just had to watch it at like on the on the tape delay, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I guess in LA they got ECW last anyway. Like ECW is such an East Coast thing. Yeah. But like you guys wouldn't have gotten it until later anyway. You didn't? Were you into any independence at all? Like XPW was blowing up, and I remember
1: XPW. Yeah, they used to do it at like the. I think they did it the like convention center. I always like kind of wanted to go. They had the girl like Lizzie Borden. <laughs> yeah. And they had um, <laughs> shoot. I'm trying to remember oh the like God. the main dude that they, they had over there. Oh, Messiah,
0: Pogo, the clown, Supreme.
1: Mm, it's not ringing a bell. I'm, I'm 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 gonna think about it. Yeah, but I I, I used chaos? to see. Yeah, I, I think I remember his name. Mm. I remember seeing the 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 flyers and, like, the, uh, sorry, not the... Yeah, but they would put it in the newspaper. Yeah. In, like, LA Times and, like, the back of the sports page, like, like come oh. to XPW. And then I would watch the clips. It was crazy. Did Vic Grimes ever... Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah Vic yeah. Grimes yeah. and New Jack. Yeah, yeah New... Yeah, I me- and then I remember seeing the... Him... that Was that XPW? Oh, yeah. That, that was a scaffolding? Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember seeing that and being, like, dude... Like these guys are like literally like trying to kill each other, yeah, and just like just cheese graters in the matches and stuff like that. It was like super hardcore compared to like WWF at the time, and I was like, "Yo, I kind of want to watch this." <laughs> I think, I, I, like, how long did XPW XB, last? Not like, that long, A yeah. couple
0: years. Not that long, and it was like. I think yeah. by the
1: time I like I like wanted to like go to them, I, I stopped seeing them like throw shows. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. So so did you maintain? kind of wrestling fandom or did you dip out for a while i did dip out back? actually you yeah. out. a lot of people dip out
1: i think uh
0: i mean i love though that like you got like your foundation was so hardcore like you don't understand how much i respect you even more the fact that i just th- i threw xpw at you yeah. thinking you'd be like i don't know what you're talking about and you were like yeah lizzie borden and Bub-. i'm like okay yeah, this yeah. guy's the real deal <laughs> well, I, so talk about that, when did you dip out
1: I'm trying to think so after the uh after the invasion stuff where after you know they, mm. purchased, they purchased WCW ECW um probably like a year after that you know what's kind of uh, funny is like I dipped out right before like punk started to become a thing mm-hmm. in, in in uh WWE and then kind of what two I think the two things that randomly got me back into watching pro wrestling was uh Everybody, like, just seeing people on the internet being like, oh, oh, this, and this was right after, like, the Pipe Bomb stuff, and, like, uh, uh, oh, like, Punk is, like, he's, like, kind of saving wrestling. He's bringing, like, like great mic work back and stuff like that. So, I would watch his promos, and I was like, this guy's really interesting. And then the thing that really got me to watch again was, like, hearing that uh, Shane McMahon came back. Yeah. Because, man, like, it, he puts his body on the line, like, oh, like my god, like, few very few so i was like especially because he doesn't have to yeah i know that's i i feel like it's like the reverse psychology thing where he feels like people think he you know because he's you know he's he's the boss's son so people think like oh you don't have to put your body on line he's like no no he's only, overcompensating yeah like yeah. not only am i going to i'm gonna jump off the top of the cell and stuff like that <laughs> so yeah that that's what kind of got me back I, and then i'm like oh he's working with the undertaker oh they're gonna do a hell, hell in a cell match like well, I ended up going to that WrestleMania in Dallas, and like, yeah, watching that. Everybody just had their phones out, just waiting for him to like line up the spot, and then just like, yeah. cro- cross up, <laughs> and then just like, Boom. take take that leap, and then yeah,
0: yeah, because that was one was of those, surreal. That was one of those things too, where people weren't really jumping off the top of the hell in the cell anymore. So like, when Shane yeah. did it, it was like you're going well. I- the only reason they do this is because Shane's going to jump off the top, but nobody jumps off the top anymore. Like he's yeah. not really going to jump all the way off the top. Is he? And when he's just like standing out there on the ledge, you're like, it's, we're going to get the moment. It's yeah. really going to
1: happen. The the longer they, they dragged that spot out, the more you were like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh shit. This is really going to happen. Yeah. And then, yeah. So
0: I that's mean, great. So that's in- what, right. That was like 32 in Dallas yeah. and that's what brought you back.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, I actually ended up going to that and then like, yeah, like uh, just been back watching and, and caught up a bit a bunch on like what I missed out on too. Well, yeah, you know?
0: because then by then the network's out, and yeah. you're able to like just go through everything.
1: Yeah, it's like the it's it's the best thing, you know.
0: So, were you doing music yet at in that area when you were in WrestleMania for Dallas? Had you started
1: oh, doing yeah, music? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was. I, I'd probably been said because that was what 2016, I believe, that Dallas WrestleMania. Yeah, something like that Yeah, yeah. Um, And then uh, Yeah, so I'd been Stay touring for like A few years at that point When did you start doing music? Uh, I started just making rap beats As a kid uh, Like when I was a teenager And I like my, my first like Things I ended up doing Was like I got like a Song with like T.I. and 2 Chains That got placed um, And you know I've, I've Like Eventually I've ended up working Like You know, making beats For like uh, like uh, Songs with like uh, Lil Wayne, Tyga um, The Little pump french montana like stuff like that but at the same time i discovered about this dance music world so like i've kind of ended up like having these two sides of my career where i like produce music and at the same time i i make the i have my own artist side where i like produce dance music and end up touring djing from all that so
0: is there do you like one better than the other? Do you like the performance side better than the other? Or do you like having both?
1: I like having both. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the performance side of it is like, there's definitely an adrenaline rush to that. That is like, it's hard to sleep sometimes mm-hmm. after like a really fun night. Um, But uh, no, I, I think that both have their challenges. Cause like the artist side, I can kind of do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. But like the, the producer side of me too is like, it's a it's a cool challenge to like make a song that like or make a bed of music that uh and sometimes write lyrics but like make a bed of music that like lets the artist that i'm working with really like shine right and maximize their potential but the, like the beat is not so dumbed down where it's just like whatever you know what i mean so right. it's, a, it's a cool balance and balancing act that i feel like i have to pull off
0: yeah do you have that thing where you like you're Creating music and you're supposed to be creating it for somebody else, but you hear it and you're like, "Oh no, this is mine. I'm gonna keep this."
1: Um, I think it's probably happened a couple of times where, like, yeah, like it, and and it's commonplace where it's like, "Oh, whose project is it gonna end up on and stuff?" But um, yeah, like, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it it's just like it's just about making the best possible song, best possible product for people to listen to. So yeah. it's just like, I, I just try to to keep that in mind when I'm making decisions as to like, like literally like musical decisions of like, mm-hmm. what am I putting in this, this instrumental, you know?
0: Yeah. What At what point did you, did the like obsession for wrestling come back? Because like, you're a big fan. So like, at what point did they go from like, oh, I'm taking a peek at this to, again to no, I'm all the way back
1: in. It was pretty quick, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like, especially going to WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, and, and, <clears throat> you know as you probably are you know very well aware like th- always that's the most important time of year with the storyline so like you're like well if i'm gonna go to wrestlemania i gotta start watching raw and smackdown again and stuff like that <laughs> so like yeah it was it was pretty quick i caught up pretty quick as to like you know who was who and um yeah there was still a bunch of the same faces a- around sure. there too yeah yeah
0: and did you have that thing where you're like, okay, well, now that I've got something going on, especially as your music career started to grow at the same time that your rejuvenated passion for this thing that you love since you were a kid is growing. Did you start going like, well, look, I mean, I might have something to to offer these guys. There might be a, a path here or did you look at it as just two no, separate? I,
1: ne- I never really thought that, that any- anything like that would happen. That being said, I got to show you this video after, but, um, I actually, so I, I released this EP in like August of, I want to say 2019, I believe. And I threw a, uh, a show, um, where me, it was like my release party mm-hmm. and, it was, and I brought a bunch of friends to like DJ with me too. And we were DJing while pro wrestling was happening in a ring right next to us. Uh. And it was like music and wrestling at the same time. And it was like sensory overload. Um, and we had some like, some like dope talent that was actually there that night. Like, uh, uh, Eric Watts was there. Um, uh, uh, Brian Cage was in the main event. Oh, wow. I actually, so we, we worked out a, a spot, um, it was with rogue wrestling mm-hmm. and we worked out a spot at, uh, before where I'm, I'm like, uh, the referee gets knocked out. Great, great wrestling trope. And, uh, <laughs> it works every time. I, I feel like they need to do that more. Honestly, I love it. <laughs> They More to, ref it, bumps. Dude, that used they used to happen all the fucking time back in the attitude era. But um yeah, when ref gets knocked out, oh shit, we need a ref. I pull out a ref shirt, uh, end up counting three for uh <laughs> cage going over for the win, and then big uh uh locker room clearing brawl afterwards, and then I end up hitting uh Eric Watts with a stone cold stunner <laughs> at the end.
0: And you just loved it. You were in Paris. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, that was my first time like it's not really taking a bump like when you're hitting a stunner, but like you're sitting on, you're jumping and sitting on your ass basically. Yeah. So I had to like break the natural, uh like just human reflex, like don't fall. And then you're like, oh no, it's cool to fall. On this, <laughs> yeah. This flat surface. And that. Yeah. yeah. The stunner is
0: definitely one of those finishers that like is not the best to do for years and years and years. I think it's that's like, probably why. I mean, why it's like Hogan's leg drop. Yeah. It's like it's bad on your spine to yeah. keep doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what, yeah, it's probably terrible for Austin's neck, right? Yeah.
1: I, I feel like that's, that had to have contributed to that, right? I mean, the, I mean, it didn't plus, help. It didn't help, yeah. Plus didn't help. all the other things. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: getting dropped on your head also Exactly. It doesn't yeah. help too much either. Oh,
1: yeah. And, yeah. Owen Hart. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how does it come about that then fans are back? You're watching wrestling through the pandemic era. Yeah. You're a fan. Fans are back. You know, WrestleMania happens and it's cool, but it's still like a half full stadium. We're going back to uh, Thunderdome right after. It's not really, it's not until July that the fans come back. And then SummerSlam is that first real massive show back, full stadium back. Like this is the big deal. Yeah. And like, I don't know, what was it? Like a week, maybe less before the show, the announcement comes down. Yeah that you know as people file into the stadium the sweet sweet sounds of valentino khan is going to be uh blasting yeah. through their eardrums how does how do you get the SummerSlam gig how does that happen
1: i just got the call one day they reached out and i was like let's do it like like that was uh it was definitely surreal and also like uh you know it was part of the plan that we we talked like for me to integrate older wrestling themes within the set oh, that's so great. that was kind of a kick for me to like I really like went back and was like, what, what was like some of my my favorite themes, uh, like, you know, growing up. I even played a couple current ones. Like I I, I did this mashup of um, uh, Riddles like Bro theme with mm-hmm. like uh, Doctor Dre still Dre.
0: Oh, that's perfect because the Riddles theme does have that it's, like Doctor Dr. Dre yeah. like California. I'm not
1: trying to call anybody out for, uh, <laughs> but. Inspiration, it, no, no. inspiration. But if you're going to make a very Californian, yes, bro song, or like you know West Coast hip hop song, it's like yeah, it's yeah, a great reference. You know? Yeah. So so yeah, what what themes did you use in the set? Uh I, I used that. I used um, oh, uh, it's you know what was kind of crazy. So that was right when they brought up the, the the Brood Edge.
0: Back. I was, uh, you know what I was about to say because that's the show that he did, the Brood, and everybody remembered. Yeah, that's like one of the best theme songs of all that beat time. Is,
1: the beat is so dope, and like so. That was what came to my head, and I already had, had had like worked on doing that in my set. Um, I I mashed up uh, uh the brood theme with a uh, mob deep shook ones. That's awesome. Yeah, and it works great. Uh-huh. Um, but I did that like you do that in your standard sets. No, no, I'm not oh. in my normal. But I play it special, like sure, for like the WWE event. Sure. And um, yeah, I did that before, like the week before or week or two before they hinted at it on smackdown and i was like that's crazy i've been like listening like of all times they're gonna bring it back yeah i've been listening to this but so you did it at SummerSlam. yep yeah yeah. played the brood theme played uh degeneration x obviously i did like a, a a stone cold thing where i like i like um played his theme and then like um like kind of reworked one of my songs to follow the that that classic melody yeah, yeah of course so, yeah of i course. think i played it at the very end but uh um, that's awesome especially
0: because yeah. that's like as far as classic theme goes you know what's the theme that slept on that is like yeah
1: incredible mm-hmm.
0: triple h is my time theme
1: yeah i it, there's still this weird like percussion element about it where it's like and it would kind of like suck into like it's like a shoo yes i don't know like that yes like, I gotta, I really gotta like keep listening to that like closer and closer because it always would like, like go <laughs> so hard as a kid for me. Like the only like the only way they could have topped it is with an even better song with like the Motorhead theme, which yeah. is like. But that that was one of my favorite like as a kid because I was like, uh, like I'm like rooting against this guy, but man. It, it, this this theme goes hard though because
0: <laughs> it's also like I mean the opening is so important right like Stone Cold's theme while the riff is incredible that glass shatter is everything that opening yeah. riff of Triple H
1: doo, doo,
0: time to play the game but it's that like it's that first like when that first hits that just makes you go
1: yeah yeah I think that's um that's probably the most important part about any anybody's theme mm-hmm. it's like even if you think of like like Seth Rollins even though it's not technically at the, be- well, not, it is at the beginning. It's just to burn it down. Yeah. Like, and I, I just watched, uh, him talking about how the hell was Vince's idea, uh-huh. Yeah, which is, I would have never guessed that in a million years. Vince, uh, figuring out hooks for, uh, for wrestling. Yeah. He's just sitting there knowing yeah. exactly
0: like hit the beat. you <laughs> like, okay. He, he knows what he
1: knows though. you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, you want to like, sure, there are like, cause it's just the musician in me. It's like the, you know, I'm just constantly like critiquing everything, not in a negative way necessarily. We just like a, just learning, you know, analyzing. But, yeah. Analyzing. That's a good word to use here. So it, like I do hear certain themes where I'm like, you know, man, Oh, they get excited. Like, like, like the, like people that really know who's coming out, like, Oh, that first hit, I've already, I already know their theme, but there's certain themes that are like, they just had a little, like, little, like, like zinger at the beginning of that.
0: I mean, like, You go back to CM Punk and you think about the beginning of cult of personality. Everybody knows. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody knows. So did, so you just like, you just got a phone call that they were like, did they just, did they know you were a fan?
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I'd, uh, I think I'd done that, that wrestling event too. Um, where I was, you know, very involved in the ring and all that.
0: Oh, the independent show you were talking about. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I just was going to him all the time too, and just posting him on Instagram too. So, yeah. oh,
0: so it was like a very public thing, and then yeah, WWE's music people are just on top. Neil's on top of it, and he knows <laughs> he knows who's
1: doing what. Shout out Neil, yeah,
0: yeah, and he just called you up and was like, "Hey, what about this gig?"
1: Well, I get through my agent, but yeah, yeah, sure, of
0: course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, come on, yeah. what are we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And what did it live up? Were you nervous going in because it's like wrestling fans. Yeah, a lot of wrestling fans are only wrestling fans, right? Like they're not sitting there. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of wrestling fans that like a lot of other stuff too, but there's a lot of wrestling fans that are just there
1: for the wrestling. It's funny that it was in Las Vegas because I think playing Las Vegas really prepared me for that. Because yeah, like I said, it was just like, um, you're you're able to adapt and cater to people that might not necessarily know, uh, you know, all the music you know about mm-hmm. or, or or are into. So um, you're able to kind of like gauge what works, even if you're playing st- stuff that they don't necessarily know. But like, what works with with you know a crowd that like isn't necessarily familiar with, you know, myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. And who did you uh, who did you end up talking to while you were there? You said Ste- did Stephanie McMahon actually check out the set?
1: Uh she said she liked it. Okay, I just saw her backstage, introduced myself for like. Couple minutes talk to her, talk with her. She was super nice. You're super like, yo, cool. I remember when the Undertaker kidnapped you. That wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i remember that yeah, that was um, yeah, that was right before she turned heel and basically stayed heel for forever. She, she <laughs> one of the best heels ever. Yeah, honestly. like
0: it must run. It probably runs. It just runs in that McMahon family. Yeah, it's just amazing.
1: I feel like, uh especially like around that era, like nobody knew that she had because she was like kind of her character was very innocent, like like she's she's you know vince's daughter and he's like she was young
0: too she's right out of college
1: yeah and i'm like her so her character really like did a total 180 once she you know that armageddon uh (laughs) the sledgehammer and all that you know that was um oh my god i still remember watching that 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 raw that that was just like one of the craziest endings to raw when like triple h like Mary's stuff Steph- uh, there, Stephanie.
0: <laughs> I mean, just the best. Like that's one of those things, like I always say At her
1: and then shows the footage at her wedding. <laughs> yeah. Dad. <Yeah.
0: laughs> you son of a bitch, you ruined it. Yeah. You ruined it. And no, she's going, at, I hate
1: you. I hate you. That's a good impression, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I do because yeah. it's
0: like so keyed into my head because I think that my measure of when wrestling is like really, really, really good. It's when you could show it to anybody and they're like, oh, this is great. Like, great wrestling. Yeah. Nobody ever goes, wrestling stupid. They go, like, okay, that was great. And I remember that segment of sitting there and man, my dad, my dad didn't like wrestling at all. I'm not one of these kids that grew up with, like, oh, my parents liked wrestling. So I started watching wrestling. Yeah. Like. No, I found wrestling and my dad was like, this is dumb. This <laughs> is stupid. I'll take you to the garden if you yeah. want but I'm going to make fun of it the whole time because it's so <laughs> stupid. And then we're sitting there and we're watching Ron. Like you said, it was the end of the show. So like, he's getting ready to go to bed. I'm getting ready to go to bed because I'm a kid. And we left the TV on because he was watching it. Yeah. And like it captivated him It captivated. And then they go to the tape and triple H is at the drive-thru going like, Oh yes, I do. I've
1: and my dad's just like,
0: this is great. This yeah. is fantastic.
1: I think taking the people, uh, taking, People to the shows live too. Yes, is crazy. I took uh Diplo to his first wrestling event ever. Oh. He randomly was in Brooklyn, when I was in Brooklyn. I was like, "He's like, what are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm at SummerSlam, come through." I, Which SummerSlam was it, it? this? Was this was the Raw after SummerSlam? Okay, uh, when they did it, um, it was the when they had uh, a Samoa Joe. It was like the the Fatal Four Way. It was like Samoa Joe, uh, Brock Lesnar, Strowman, and then there was one other. Was it Kevin Owens? Was in that match? one other person? Or Ro- was it Roman? Maybe it was. Yeah, might have been Roman. Some, yeah. Was that
0: that wasn't the raw when Vince got arrested? Was it?
1: No, no, because that was in Brooklyn too. No, no, no. This was like a summer. I want to say SummerSlam 2018. Okay, I, I want to say, um, and yeah, I, I, so so I took Diplo there, and, it, and like he's usually like really laid back, like I'm just like yeah, I'm just like Diplo, and whatever. And then like <laughs> fucking, I took him there, and I've never seen him more like. Animated jovial, he loved it. Yeah, but that, that's my point. Is like it just brings, but he like he like loves Ric Flair and all that and stuff. But like it brings the the I don't know, like kind of the inner kid out of you, especially when you're there live. Yeah, and you just you, I don't know. It's it's like it's it's a place where you're encouraged to to like to like shout at, like to heckle almost, like, yeah. like shout at people or like
0: and just embrace like suspension of disbelief yeah. and being a kid. Yeah, I think it was like. I think it might have been, I think it was the Royal Rumble that Shinsuke won in Philly. Yeah. I think that's the Royal Rumble that it was. But I remember like right after the show, Michael Che was there.
1: Yeah. I love Michael Che.
0: And he came out of it and he was like, Sam, I'm so happy. I love this stuff. Like he was just in this state of like bliss (laughs) right after it. And you're like, yes, like this is a guy who like literally does live TV every week. He does SNL. Like he's seen everything and he goes to Royal Rumble. It, and he's like, this is, it's just awesome.
1: It's it's also like a crazy, like, cause it, like it is a mainstream billion dollar business now, but it's also like, it's still a bit of a cult thing where like if somebody brings up a, a wrestling reference or like a figure or like even like the shirts, like I'll go through like TSA sometimes and dudes will be like, oh, my man, the Macho Man Randy Savage, that's what's up? And some shit like well, that. Plus so you,
0: like, you do the vintage shirts. So yeah. it's like- people who know I don't know if I I, know. I, I,
1: I like really rock any like current merch cuz like I don't know I just like I like it's like a weird like, like you have all these collectibles here it's like a weird collectible thing where I just like my closet's like full of these That's awesome. Yeah. I mean and
0: that's yeah that's the way to go. It's plus it's amazing that like the vintage wrestling t-shirt game is just exploded like yeah. absolutely exploded. I'm looking at that China shirt and seeing that it's in like mint condition yeah. Like what this? I mean, <laughs> you might as. It's like some musicians wear like Gucci to to flex like that. To me,
1: some people somehow have flex. like some people somehow have like dead stock. Yeah, of all that sh- that shit. And I'm just like, I guess it was just like I don't know. Maybe they owned a sports memor- memorabilia store. They never sold them or so. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. But I'm like, great.
0: So did you, when you're walking around SummerSlam and you kind of get to see how the sausage is made a little bit more than most people do? Did you? did your love for it grow? Like, did you end up like this? That's what happened to me. Right. Like the closer that I get and the more that I see, the more I love it yeah. and the more I respect it. And the more I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is like that whole, like don't meet your heroes thing. Yeah. Meet all of them. Everybody this is amazing.
1: Everybody I met was super cool, super respectful. Um, Had some cool conversations with them. And yeah, it just like, it, your love for it just just grows and the, re- the respect that you have grows and just like they like my travel regimen is crazy where i'm like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm i am in a different city every night sometimes but theirs is like insane and i'm also not getting body slammed through that's like the a table every night you know what i mean so yeah. like that's the um, and gotta you know get up and go to the gym and you know rental cars, all that shit. It's like, yeah, it's two, crazy.
0: Two things. You're not taking bumps and you don't have to do it in your underwear. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, there's benefits. N- to this never say world. never though. We'll
1: <laughs> you know.
0: So are you, uh, do you, are you hoping that this WWE connection expands? Like, are you hoping to become uh, more of a part of the family doing more thing, kind of having the wrestling community become even more aware of you or, is it SummerSlam was cool i'm gonna keep watching wrestling i'm gonna keep it moving
1: no i I think i'm definitely looking at doing it more yeah and um i think you know at the end of the day it's all just it's about having fun that's it so like 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 i said like no matter what the crowd was gonna react how the crowd was gonna react to me or whatever i was just like just gotta embrace it and it's like it's sports entertainment
0: that would have been great if they just started booing you, yeah. and you picked up the mic, and you, like the first thing you have
1: the mic, you're like, "Get your hands up in the air, but, yeah. boo! Yeah, I didn't like this stinking town anyway." Yeah. I was ready. I was ready. Thankfully, Who's... I didn't have to dip into that bag. Yeah, because I love Las Vegas. Actually, <laughs> I don't, don't want to say anything mean about Las Vegas. I fucking love Vegas. Who would be your heel
0: promo uh, inspiration if you had to? If you had to dip into that mode, who do you think you'd be drawing from?
1: Uh, probably Triple H or Punk. Yeah. Yeah. Triple
0: H is a good Triple H, heel.
1: Triple H is great. It, you know, I mean, even like Shawn Michaels, like... Oh, yeah. Like thing like singing, oh, Canada. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: sticking <laughs> the flag up his nose. Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, look, man, like you said, you're touring all over the country in a different city every night. Where can people become more aware of you? I mean, I, th- I, th- I would hope that uh, wrestling fans want to... Uh, Want want to tap into what you're doing as well, and and yeah, and build
1: this synergy. Um, I'm at Valentino Khan, K-H-A-N.
0: And even if, you, and even by the way, even if you're not <laughs> into uh, dance music and stuff like that. You're a great follow because you post funny videos. Thank you. I so, appreciate that. you know, yeah. I like when a little Valentino Khan video comes up. I give it the old <laughs> click ski cause it's funny.
1: Like I said, like it, it's all about having fun. I always have incorporated like a sense of humor into my stuff. You know like, what video was fun? You know when yeah. I knew you were the real
0: deal. Yeah. When you posted the video of you packing for SummerSlam, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And you just had every wrestling t-shirt imaginable. Yeah. yeah.
1: Those are all my, all my shirts. I just had to dip <laughs> into my closet for it. Do you second. regularly
0: perform? I mean, I see you got a Chinese yeah. shirt on. Do you regularly perform in wrestling
1: shirts? Oh, yeah. I, I have a friend, actually. It's funny. When, like, touring was coming back after the pandemic, Who's was like, yo, touring's coming back. You got to buy some new wrestling shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I probably do, actually.
0: So people can follow you at ValentinoCon? At
1: ValentinoCon, everywhere, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. I don't, do people still use oh, Facebook's meta? It's meta. meta yeah, follow me on meta. Follow me on meta now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, at ValentinoCon, if we're on on the internet, valentinocon.com. I don't know if anybody goes to yeah, my if you a, have, official website. If
0: you guys have web browsers. I
1: said that like I was confused that I have an official website. I do. Right. right. I just don't know if people go to it. Well,
0: yeah, you don't want to, like, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is promote your website and have people being like, you have a website. And yeah. You're like, oh no, I didn't know. I yeah. didn't know it wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. And if obviously, if uh, people are following you and you're going to their town, they should yeah. come to your shows, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm going. I'm going all over. Um, uh, I got a show uh, right here. Well, not right here, but like, we're, I'm in Brooklyn tonight. Um, next week, I'm doing Orange County. I got a pretty photogenic. Photogenic. Photogenic? photographic oh. memory i meant to say <laughs> yeah of, no uh, it's a really nice looking memory yeah, it's nice <laughs> out there. um yeah i'm all over it, man uh uh doing some florida dates uh towards the end of the year uh atlanta next year which i probably w- can't even announce yet, but whatever it's just, just got <laughs> it's an exclusive
0: announced. it's announced and yeah. th- the Still Way Too Sexy remix. People are losing their minds for it. Thank you. I People appreciate that. People are losing that. their minds for it.
1: I just was like, yeah. I actually remember the Right said Fred song from when I was a kid. Yeah. And then when we sampled it, I was like, wow, he really did that. And then I was like, <laughs> this actually is like really dope to like flip into like a house song. Uh-huh. Like, um, that, uh, you know, the original is cool too.
0: Well, man, um, next time you're in town, you got to you gotta roll through again because hell yeah. I and feel like we, we
1: just. You got to come to a show.
0: I know, but it's so late at
1: night. I know you know you got i yeah. got kids yeah, you, got, you know but you have responsibilities that are greater than yourself i thank you yeah when you say it like that it sounds so no, noble i understand yeah no i i, I gotta like put, <laughs> putting you over here. yeah you do you put, yeah. put you over kid yeah uh no i understand that with like any of my friends that are like in their 30s now and started families and like oh we don't see each other as often but i understand why yeah you yeah know? yeah like you guys like yo if
0: you want to come to the show it's at 1 tonight yeah. i'm like do I want to? Yeah, hell yeah, I want to. That yeah. looks like a blast. But you know what? It's gonna be midnight and I'm gonna be asleep already. So I'll, I'll
1: do a 6 p.m. show next time just for you. I can't. I'll go to the matinee. Yeah. I'll be there for the matinee. Cool <laughs> yeah. man. I just start doing that. Yeah, like matinee show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. do the matinee. Hey. <laughs>
0: the happy hour show. Yeah. We we barely scratched the surface here, dude. Yeah. So come back. I'm down. Valentino Khan. Appreciate your time. Thank you, man. And uh, good luck with everything. You're My crushing man. it.
1: Appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling.